0: Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics blog. I am Adam Motenko here with my twin brother, as always, the coach, Josh Motenko. That's
1: right. You can take the fan out of the Celtics, but you can never take the Celtics out of the fan.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Where I, I I'm so confused. Uh, this is what happens when Josh hits the fan. See, I got nothing. This it doesn't make any sense. And our good friend, Mike Minkoff. What's going on, Mike?
2: I, I have just been so confused and disoriented. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, but I am likewise a fan of the Celtics. <laughs> Did I do that right? Did I get it?
0: <laughs> we should probably start over, but we're not going to. Today, we are going to talk about the recent games, and we're going to spend a good amount of time t- talking about our TPE candidates. We've done some research on who we would love to see the Celtics uh, bring on with the, that large TPE, the largest in history. Uh, but let's get to the the recent games first. We uh, have a loss against the Suns, a, a win against the Clippers, a loss against the Kings, win against the Warriors. This team cannot decide whether they want to win or lose. Josh, what did you see from these recent games? Yeah, I'm looking for trends, and the trend that I'm seeing through the, these
1: games, and really in the last couple weeks, it feels like the shooters are starting to come around. The percentages are rising on the three point shot, you know, and guys like Carson Edwards got his first start after having a great game. And, you know, he's supposed to be a shooter, right? But if you're looking at three-point percentages as I am, because I think this is like the crucial thing for us. This is what, why we drafted Aaron Neesmith and, and went in this direction to get guys who could help us in a supporting role. And I think the, the one thing that Grant Williams needs to do is be able to shoot the three at a high level, 38%, is what I was hoping for for him. He's right now shooting 46.7% on the year. Leading the team, Grant Williams. Um, and if you go down the list, like the, the list of our highest three point percentages is Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard at 44, Jalen Brown at 42, Daniel Tice at 41.9, then Tatum, obviously, then Jeff Teague. For whatever reason, it doesn't look like he's shooting 40%, but he is 41. And then Carton, Carson Edwards drops way down at 33%, but at least he's bringing that percentage up a little bit. And Shemi Ogilay has dropped now to 32.8%. This is what I'm looking at, guys. Uh, And I'm seeing some improvement from some guys that I didn't expect, like Grant Williams and Daniel Tice.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Grant Williams um, at 46% probably is not going to hold quite at that that rate. I don't know, Josh, if you have in front of you what his kind of totals are on the season, but certainly, you know, uh, despite a really rough start to his rookie campaign, you know, well-documented over 28, I think to, to start his NBA career from three, uh, he was firing from three in the playoffs. He's shooting from three with confidence. And it's, it seems like he just can't miss right now from three over this, uh, West coast trip. He was having some fits and starts to his season, but it seems like he's gotten into a groove in the past uh, week or two here. Um, so that's awesome to see Daniel Tice, uh, allegedly worked really was really focused his work on improving his three point shot in the off season. And I think we're seeing some of the dividends and he started the season pretty slow. Um, but you know, I, I didn't realize he was quite up at 40. You said 41.9%, right? So yeah, that's, that's great to see. Um, Carson Edwards at 33% uh, is not surprising to me. Um, yes. He, he had a really, really strong game uh, as probably, one of the most vocal anti-Carson Edwards uh, people out there. Um, It was uh, a wonderfully pleasant surprise to see Carson Edwards substantially contribute to a uh, win against the Clippers. Um, You know, he had a pretty atrocious game uh, the next night out, getting his first career start against the Suns. So... You know, he's he's uh, a ways away from being a consistent contributor. Uh, But yes, 33 percent is a step up. Um, I don't think I don't think three point shooting has been our team's issue this year on the whole. I think to your point, Josh, Um, which is interesting because, as you noted, two of our, you know, uh, roster spots are dedicated to guys we drafted for three point shooting and they're not the ones bringing it from there.
0: Carson has shot 24 threes on the season, 45 for Grant Williams. So these these are somewhat small sample sizes, but it's not going unnoticed what you're talking about, Josh. And the announcers, when you watch the games, are talking about it, too. Uh, do you think this is changing any of the perceptions of the young guys outside of the Celtics or, or internally in terms of the, like the fact that Carson Edwards got a start? Uh, I'm thinking back to what Brad Stevens said that. He's judging a lot of different things. It's not just performance on the court. Now, of course, Carson did, what was it, 16 points against yeah. the Clippers. Um, so he's judging him based on practice. So I guess Carson's playing well in practice, his work ethic over a long period of time. And I wonder about the what that means for the guys that are not getting minutes like Aaron Niesmith.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I've wondered with Niesmith and with Edwards. I think uh, it's really interesting. Um to think about kind of what what Brad Stevens is kind of uh, the mechanics in, in Brad Stevens' decision making that are leading to kind of all of a sudden, you know, Neesmith, Neesmith was getting some run, what, two, two three weeks ago? And all of a sudden he's been glued to the bench and Carson Edwards is clearly getting a more prominent role. Um, and you've got to wonder what's going on behind the scenes to kind of inform that in addition to whatever they're doing on the court.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys about this Carson Edwards thing. Obviously, we've seen Brad Stevens play random lineups. He started Javante Green in a game earlier this year. You know, he's always kind of tinkering. Um, but I, I have this feeling, like, why does this feel like he's showcasing Carson Edwards? Like, it's got that, it's got that vibe to me that it's, it's – you could easily chalk it up to he's, he's working on his development. And, um, but I feel like he's putting him on display for a trade. Why Are you guys smelling what I'm smelling?
2: I'm I'm not. Can I can I pick a third option? Yeah. Desperation. <laughs> <laughs> um, you may have noticed that the Celtics are missing two of a very of of their o- only reliable uh, like kind of small wings or like, you know, people that would be the traditional like two, three. Uh, positions in, uh, in in like the NBA of the 90s and Marcus Smart being injured for the entire uh, trip and then Jalen Brown missing the last two games with a, what seems to be a not significant sore knee um, I, I think that Stevens you know the, the against the Clippers he tried a three big lineup that had yep. Tristan Thompson, uh, Daniel Tyson, Grant Williams all starting. That
1: oh, you noticed that
2: that failed spectacularly. Uh, so the next game, and Carson Edwards played really well, uh, including in lineups in the second half. He he was a starter, uh, and so Stevens was like, "All right, let's try that lineup." Uh, it didn't work against the Suns, but I think Stevens is just looking for anything to kind of stem the tide. Um, this this team was already. Uh, light on wings going into the season, especially with Romeo's injury and the injuries to two of our top four players, both of whom are kind of in that wing swing function. Uh, (laughs) Just put an exclamation point on it. So I don't, I just don't buy into there being any, I, I don't see Carson Edwards getting showcased for like a week or two, having any meaningful, uh effect on his trade value i don't think it's it's like he could become like a big piece in a transaction
0: no Um, of course
2: so i i don't really know what we'd be showcasing and i really just think this is some trade value desperation any value is what we're looking for (laughs) (laughs) Um, adam what do do you think
0: Did I have a fever dream or did I witness a three small lineup also with Carson Edwards? I want to say Jeff Teague and I can't maybe Kemba.
2: that happened. It was (laughs) super awful.
1: (laughs) But a lot of coaches are doing that these days, guys. I mean, not just with the depleted numbers because of our COVID year, right? But it's playing two small guards like the Portland Trail Blazers as as your best players um, is a thing that I think a lot of teams are starting to replicate a little bit with lesser players. Um, just because of the, the way the game is now. But I'm curious, the other trend that I've seen in the last week is interesting to me. We've, we've seen some games without Jalen Brown now and with Jason Tatum in the lineup. And then it was almost like the week before that, we saw some games without Tatum and with Jalen Brown leading the way. Which team do you like better?
0: Can I choose the one
1: with both of them? Obviously, you can. But this is a question about which, a question. Who's, who's holding down the number one spot better when the other one's out.
0: It's hard to answer. I, I I will say that I have loved Jalen Brown's consistency. He is he is especially I, I, this came up for me at um, the Laker game. I was, or maybe it was a Golden State game. I, it's all blurring together at this point. Uh, but he could not hit a shot in the beginning of the game, and he just kept driving into the basket. And he made a difference in the game on defense. Like he found ways to impact the game in ways that I don't see Tatum doing in the same sort of a way. Um, and I just love, and, and in the end of the game, he ended up, I think it was 19 points. And um, I love the way that Jalen Brown is is making an impact every single game. He's, his, his consistency is, is like, to me, at a superstar level. That is what makes the difference between all-stars and superstars. And Jalen Brown is showing... Leaps and bounds above what what he has in the past, and and I'm loving that. I, and you know, for all I feel like I've been trashing Tatum too much this season. He also has been playing well. It's it's hard to choose between the two of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, from the um, from the standing standing in the nerd corner, Mike Mike Minkoff, um <laughs> from the All In One NBA RPM, Sad from ESPN, which was recently uh, released. Jalen is is number 11 in the league league um just behind Nikola Jokic in the RPM. It's a flawed metric, uh, but it does reveal, you know, just where just how productive he's been while while Jason Tatum's down at number 33 just next to De'Aaron Fox. Um
1: What does that metric tell us?
2: It it it's meant to be kind of an all-in-one metric showing kind of the the relative value kind of combined of a player both, you know, a, Accounting for both their offensive and defensive productivity, um, and on/off
0: too, I think.
2: Yeah, it looks it looks at on/off splits and it 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 considers kind of the difference in a team's net offensive rating and net defensive rating with and without them, um, uh, to to kind of come up with an all-in-one number. Um, so, you know, I and Jalen Brown's value here is driven almost exclusively he has basically a zero uh, for defensive rpm and a you know a 4.2 uh for offense so it's it's all just his elite offensive production and and holding holding the line on defense um tatum's offensive production is like a 2.2 so about half as productive based on this metric again flawed metric but i think i think those that story kind of maps to what we're seeing um as far as Jalen Brown, just I, I think the big differentiator is just he plays with a more, as you said, Adam consistency. And I think it's a consistency of force and kind of a consistency to impact the game. but i but I also think Jason Tatum, like just some of what he do, does is still incredible. <laughs> his shot making is just absolutely ridiculous.
0: There's that word again. Tatum, Tatum gets different attention on defense, too. I, I feel like Brown has been better, but Tatum draws more attention and, and opens up the, the offense on a, from a one-on-one perspective more.
1: Exactly, yeah. And you can see Tatum mentoring Pritchard a little bit. You can see him being a little bit more vocal, but he definitely disappears more in certain parts of the game. And he, because his style of play lends itself to some one-on-one stuff, there's times when it's like Tatum they're trying to get the ball to Tatum and instead Jeff Teague's right there wide open and they're like fine I'll give it to Teague and Teague gives it back and they're like no Teague it's yours give it back to him and then he goes one-on-one I feel like if Jalen Brown's in the game instead of Tatum that's not happening you know I I just feel like Tatum uh, I feel like Jalen Brown does a better job of of like Mike said using that that word we keep hearing again that the college student Boston Celtics fans love so much force like Tatum, I feel like doesn't get the same amount of paint touches as Jalen Brown does, and maybe, it, maybe there's like a visual bias because Tatum is uh, more finesse, and um, and Brown's a little bit more powerful. Uh, but I feel like you can always know that Brown is going to drive, get into the paint, and either have that turnaround jump shot from eight feet, or be looking for another shooter for the skip pass or for the dump down when he gets in there.
2: And yeah. I w- I will say, uh, you know, we we don't we don't uh, we don't have a synergy sports subscription here, so I don't <laughs> I don't have the exact numbers to back this up, but the eye test tells me that Tatum, in you know the last week or two, and probably since more or less since he's gotten kind of his legs back post uh, the COVID absence, um, I feel like he's driving to the hoop a lot more, and like especially on this trip than he was, you know, to start the season. I feel like he's he's consistently kind of getting in into the paint, into the area. Um, I'm not sure that he's getting to the free throw line a whole heck of a lot more, but I feel like he's finishing a lot more layups than he was to start the season. Uh, I also really like that he kind of made a comment uh, a couple games ago. I think it was maybe after the Kings game, you know, someone asked him what he had to do to get to the foul line more. And he, he talked about, you know, playing playing more through contact, playing off of two legs more. Um so, you know, I I have some mixed reactions. It, it gets a little frustrating knowing that he's kind of been talking about this stuff for, again, as we've talked about, like a year and a half, two years, uh, and it's still not really showing on the court. But I do like how he knows specifically what he needs to work on. And he, he has kind of an attention and a focus on the, the detailed elements of it versus just kind of talking in the abstract about, I just need to generate more contact. Like, he, you know... Playing off of two legs is, is really fundamental, and it's something he's done in short, uh, for short time, time spans in the past, uh, but hasn't made a consistent part of his game. And, and if that's an area of focus for him and something he integrates over the next you know, year or year and a half, there's still a whole heck of a lot of runway for him to, to you know, take advantage of that new skill over the course of what should be a pretty long and spectacular career.
0: I feel like he's getting lower on the dribble part of his drives too. Tatum, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, he's staying low. He
1: he's keeping his driving line. Is to use the verbiage that Coach Stevens and the staff use.
2: Uh, Scalabrini really well. loves talking about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, well, it's not a Scalabrini term, right? It's a it, that's a Brad Stevens term, and and you know the the added weight that Tatum put on this summer, I think, helped. And maybe he's just, his body's finally filling out as well, you know, but he's able to get to that short corner instead of being stuck at like 20 feet along the baseline, trying to make a decision. And you just have so many more options. You know, your, your passing angles are way better. You know, the geometrically, of course, a lot of triangles. That's why the triangle offense works so well. And so there's spots you want to get to. And if you can't get to those spots, cause you're not low enough, you know, just means you're a young player that still still needs to develop and that's what tatum was and now he's doing everything he wants getting wherever he wants to get and that's why i'm like you know you got to keep getting into the paint and and making things happen but um while i commented uh, or or celebrated tatum's uh increased vocal abilities on the court and and just how he's kind of taking a leadership role in that way i want to say the same to to Brown, I feel like we're seeing his IQ develop before our eyes, like almost game to game. And previously, year to year, he's using hand signals on offense, like putting a st- you know the hand up, the palm up, like stop or a push back. Like he's communicating more with hand signals. Which keep your eye out for that. I think that that's that's one of Coach Mo's signs of a championship team right there. The championship teams they talk on defense and then they communicate with hand signals on offense and throughout the game in other ways you know obviously the good teams they only talk on defense and the bad teams they don't communicate that well so that's that's to me is a is a, a huge sign
0: timba walker has been playing okay he is shooting uh 30 31 percent from the the three this year 35 from the field goal his so his shot isn't fully back yet still looking spry uh not looking to have any any negative impact of of um returning from this injury Uh, How are you seeing him integrate back into uh, this three-headed offensive monster?
2: Well, you know, I thought it was informative that he had a really strong game against the Clippers when Jalen Brown was out. And there was a little bit less of a tug of war that he had to navigate in kind of managing the ball. But that all fell apart when he then had an absolute stinker against the Suns. So I'm choosing uh to just chalk all of this up to an extended extended rust and acclimation period and the challenge of kind of the lineup not being consistent since he's gotten uh back into it with with other people kind of going in and out with injuries uh versus um choosing an alternate an alternate reality where he's not going to regain his form and this is potentially really problematic because that just seems like a negative way to to focus
0: (laughs) yeah he looks fine to me i mean it's obviously the results aren't the same but he's taking a similar number of shots uh he's just not making them at the same level and but it's not yeah i'm I'm not concerned at all i think this is gonna come back
2: the biggest thing that has worried me and i'd be interested josh to hear your thoughts on this is is his decision making um just see i mean again this might just be rust and i think it is largely just rust but Kemba's been a historically kind of low turnover player. His teams have been historically low turnover teams. Um, I just feel like there's like once or twice a game where he's, yeah. I don't know what he's doing, to be honest. He's kind of like sprinting somewhere, kind of loses track of where he is, tries to whip the ball across the court and just kind of throws it to the other team or just gets himself and the offense into a really bad position. And it's, He just seems out of, out of sorts. Um, which, which is probably a good sign overall because the, like, that's not going to be how he stays.
0: His turnovers have actually gone down this year from last year.
1: So he, it feels like, no, I agree with you, Mike. It feels like he's got an unforced sloppy, like I just dribbled the ball off my foot type of turnover every game. And he's looking at his hands in disbelief kind of a thing. And um, the decision-making, I think, I think Kemba is exactly where we want him to be right now. We don't want him to, to, you know, be losing confidence because of something else. He's at least playing, you know, trying to get back to his game where he's making shots. He really wants to live in the mid-range. That's that's what he's always been great at, and that's where he's most comfortable. And so all this stuff where he's dribbling up into threes, he's been doing it well for the last three years, right? But he only started doing that three years ago or so. So. I wonder if with the rust and everything, you know, just coming back in this curve that we want him to be in of, okay, now you're playing 30, 32 minutes a game. You know, he's, you know, we got one of Tatum or Brown out. So now you got to step up with smart out as well. And Pritchard was out. You know, that was like last podcast. I said, this is a really important time for Kemba. And I think he, he showed that he's ready for this to take that next step up and, and put some weight on this team on his shoulders um and he can handle a little bit of weight on his shoulders right now not too much right and so I think he's trending in the right direction and I think the next steps would be okay now you're you're getting your game and you're actually hitting your shots at a higher percentage you're getting into the paint you're knocking it down every time and then after that like you're acclimating to the point where you're a floor general type decision maker and you have until the playoffs to figure that out you know you got all season to get that right but we need that in the playoffs so I'm not worried about that yet Mike
2: yeah, and Adam just so his his per game turnovers are down a little bit this season, but his um, per thirty six minute turnovers are the same as last season, at at two point four turnovers turnovers per thirty six minutes.
0: Yeah, my only point was that it's even though it may look sloppy, it's not any it's sloppy any, it's, it's not ma-
2: yeah 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 no, it's equally sloppy apparently. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so with Kemba being I think hopefully stepping into this third option role, you know, it'd be nice to find us a fourth option, I think, right? We need a steady fourth. Do you think one of the young guys is going to step up or do you think we got to use this TPE to get that done?
2: Oh, no, we we definitely need to use the TPE. Um I mean I would still love to see like, I don't know, 3 games in a row where we have our four best players and all of our like useful point guards healthy um, before, you know, making any final evaluations. But, yeah, we need we need at least one more piece, I think, uh, to round out and bring this roster from good to, to you know, championship contender level.
1: And so, Mike, does that mean that you definitely want to use this TPE this year instead of waiting till the
2: offseason? I, I 100% – and Danny Ainge is coming out talking about using the TPE. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's saying that he – more or less expects to do something by the trade deadline and that the trade yeah, deadline's a good time this, to do it. I know, he always does stuff like that. Up. But, yeah. but no, you're
1: 100% I, in for this
2: year. 100%, yes.
1: Wow. Adam?
2: I, I, I think, I just, just real quick, I I just think the level that Tatum and Brown are already at means that the window is now. And every year is a must-win year. Or must-go-for-it must year.
0: I agree with that uh my answer to your question Josh is it always depends it totally depends and that's yeah. going to be the frustrating thing that i will experience in this discussion we're about to have about who they should go after for the TPE because it's like i i just know that Josh you're not going to come with like your players are going to be like yeah but then we got to give up all these assets for those people like there's a there's a risk reward here the whole TPE idea I, and and <laughs> what we're doing here is is in my opinion is uh catering to to the fan base who want to talk about the TPE because there is so much hope in this 28 million potential TPE, uh, that we could get some awesome player. And what people don't realize is that we got to give up value in addition. The TPE is great. Uh, any TPE is great um without assets, is great for taking on a player that the other team does not want. If they are way overpaid that and and they have more contract beyond this year, that's the kind of a player they, they want to give up. If they're uh if they're done, but they still have a name uh, and the team, and they're older and the team wants to play young players, they wanna get rid of that player. That's that's what the TPE is for. So let's have this TPE conversation talking about who we want the Celtics to target right after this break. Mike, why don't you uh, tee us up here and talk about the parameters for this conversation around TPE.
2: All right, so what we did is um, the three of us kind of put together a a melding of the minds and came up with a list of 35 players uh, across the league that we thought were eligible, viable candidates. Um, And it it was a pretty—
0: 40 players, all of the NBA players. Uh, All
2: right, all right, calm down, Adam. You can get your OCD bent in when it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so we you know it was it was players who who weren't making too much who were on teams kind of uh on the fringe of being a buyer seller you know at the at the bottom rung of the playoff range etc um that that and of pi- positions that we felt were of need pr- principally kind of wings big guards um and and maybe bigs um and each of us then, from that list, identified our top five players uh, of of focus, and the the five players that we most want the Celtics to pursue. Our top player, we would give five points. Our second player, four, and so on. And what we're going to do now is we're going to share our top five, our list of top five TPE targets, and come up with the Celtics Pride uh, TPE. Um, <laughs> big board the the official list based on our co- cumulative scores uh and it's we expect at least adam and i expect to be very angry with the final results of this board but we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll see what happens we don't know it's a mystery uh and so and so to kick us uh, wait, yeah. wait,
1: wait, wait, mike mike where else on the internet can you find a boston celtics tpe candidate consensus big board
2: no one has this much time on their hands to waste. <laughs> <laughs> only, only your, your uh, unrivaled Celtics, <laughs> Celtics pride co-hosts. Um, Question for you, Mike. Yeah.
0: How, how much is this TPE? We're, we're targeting players that make how much money and less? Right.
2: Okay. So for those that that don't know or don't recall, the Celtics TPE is twenty eight point five million dollars. We got that from the Gordon Hayward trade. Um, we cannot use that in combination with a player to get a player that makes more money. Um, we can, So the player has to make 28.5 or less for us to pursue. Um, and we can break up the TPE into multiple parts. So we don't have to use it all in one fell swoop. We could use 12 million on one player and then 13 million on a different player later. Um, the TPE also has no a- asset value, for the most part, to the team receiving it, uh, so to speak, or or the team against or with which it's used. So, if we're taking on a $25 million player and using the TPE, if that $25 million per year player is good, we actually, as Adam was saying, we actually have to send back some assets to make it worth the other team's while. So, these are some of the the aspects that we were all loosely considering in our own ways with our own respective valuations as we came up with our top five lists
0: now the the other team can create their own tp as a result of the trade as well
2: correct so that that is a slight value proposition for them
0: so 28.5 except we hit the luxury tax when if we take back how much money
2: right um yeah so there's right we hit the luxury tax if we take back I think about fifteen and a half million dollars. Though um, for the most part, we're going to have to uh, give up at least we have to give up at least one player, which is going to be like one and a half million dollars for the transaction because we don't have any open roster spots. So in in effect, it's going to be uh, seventy million seventeen million dollars um, that we can take back without hitting the luxury tax. And that matters because if we hit the luxury tax, uh, then we are going to start the clock on the repeater tax, which um, will have stiff financial implications over the years and and may influence Wick and Co.'s decision-making. We can, of course, send out more salary uh, to avoid avoid that. So, again, $15.5 million on the luxury tax could send out, like, six million dollars and take back 21 million and stay under uh the luxury tax um there's also the hard cap and we're about 20 ish 21 million under the hard cap we cannot go over the hard cap under any circumstance so even if we were comfortable uh hitting the luxury tax this season for the right player. Um, we, we still could not just straight take $28.5 million on without giving up at least about seven and a half eight million million, $8 million in salary. And that's enough cap nerdy spiel. So now with that, Josh, I will hand it over to you to walk us through from one through five and then with some honorable mentions, your, your top five list of TPE targets for the Celtics.
1: You you want me to give you the whole list right now? I thought we were going. Give us your number one. Yeah, there's only one guy that I that I would give up a bunch of assets for with this TPE and feel really confident.
2: Adam, do you already know the answer to this? Because I I already know the answer to this. (laughs) This
1: this man is Demar Derozan.
2: Yeah, I knew I knew that was the answer.
1: (laughs) Demar Derozan has three years at least left in his game. He's 31. I think his game is going to age really well because it's all based on footwork and, and skill. Um, he's improved as a facilitator. Um, he, defensively, he's fine. I think that getting him would be the ideal scenario for what you could get for Gordon Hayward, which is kind of how I think about this TPE, is if we were trading Hayward you know, at midseason last year, what would we want in return for him? Someone maybe of equal value. Um, now, it's going to take a lot to get him, and we don't know when Popovich and the Spurs are going to kind of turn things over and try to do a rebuild for, for real. Um, but I feel like it, it's happening. It's been happening for two years now. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about Popovich going, doing the, the USA team last summer. And then, and then after that kind of reevaluating or talk about, well, he's going to wait until he can hand things over to Becky Hammond and make her the first female coach in the history. And, I feel like it's it's just a waiting game. And the way the Spurs are, it's going to happen kind of out of nowhere and with the right deal. And, you know, we're going to need to give them some first-round picks, the TPE, and a young player like like Romeo. Um, but I, I think that that puts us back we were, where we were last year where we have three dominant wings that are six, six plus. And there's no other team in the league that can guard that. We will always have a mismatch in that situation. Um, I think also he's at the point in his career where he would want to win a championship. The trade, I think from the Raptors to the Spurs was hard on him because the Raptors won that championship that he, he could, he thought he could have done that with that team. Um, and I, I think that, you know, taking the role of the fourth guy or even third guy and moving Kemba into that fourth role is he's, he's ready for that. And, and he would put us in the championship conversation immediately in my opinion.
2: So, Okay. A couple of things with DeMar DeRozan. He is really good, uh, certainly as a scorer. He's he's a high-level offensive player. He's not a particularly good defensive player. Um, but I think, uh, to me, what's most interesting uh, to consider with him as a candidate is, right now, as we speak, the San Antonio Spurs are fifth in the Western Conference. They are 13-10. and 10. It seems highly, highly unlikely to me that... They are going to be sellers, certainly as it stands right now. And I don't think there's much in Popovich's DNA of wanting to kind of manage a team. There's also an interesting nugget um, in Kevin O'Connor's um, most recent power rankings on the Ringer. Um, uh, in his write up for the San Antonio Spurs, who we put at 12th overall in the league, he made particular point of um, how the the Spurs are actually really good with DeRozan on the court and Aldridge off the court. Uh, when both Aldridge and DeRozan share the court, according to O'Connor, they allow 120.4 points per 100 possession uh, possessions, which is uh, putrid. Um, but when DeRozan is sharing the floor with uh, Jakub um that's 104.8. A much a much uh, <laughs> better defensive arrangement, and the team performs better as a whole. So I just don't see I just don't see him being even in the running as a as a target. I, I, he's in the last year of his deal, which would theoretically lower the the trade price for him. But I don't I just don't see the Spurs as being kind of remotely a seller right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like him as a player, Josh, but you want to give up multiple first-round picks, good young players for a guy that, for six, a rental, for six months, he's a free agent, and he, and he wants to get paid again. So, I mean, I don't know if he
1: would sacrifice money to be on a championship team, or to really be in that kind of conversation, to, to, to have his move to that team, make them a super team, I honestly believe that's what this does for the Celtics, If and and... <laughs> obviously he is a free agent at the end of this year and and uh, i want to ask you guys like if we sign somebody we use this tpe to get a free agent who we then have to pay you know uh like a jalen brown type contract to 22 million like not a max but under that and really show this player that we care you know what we would have wanted to re-sign hayward for then how does that affect our ability to sign other guys like marcus smart in the future um and, and just does that mean that we probably shouldn't even be talking about free agents. Like my top three guys on this TPE list are all going to be free agents at the end of this year.
0: So we do have to sign Marcus Smart after – is it after this year after, or after next? No, I'm after next, I believe. It up now. Yeah, so yeah. – so, and and because of Kimball Walker's contract, um, we are going to get – and, and the, the fact that the uh, salary cap is not increasing as much as was expected – before the pandemic, we are we're going to get into a, a numbers crunch, and we're going to hit that hard cap really quickly, um, and we're and it, we may struggle to sign Marcus Smart if we are bringing in players that make a ton of money. Now, 20, 22 million, that might be possible. Much more than that is definitely not. What I'm wondering is how much is DeRozan going to want? How much could he get on the open market? There's going to be a lot of money available because a lot of teams saved it up for uh, Giannis. Um, so then they're going to need somebody to, to spend it on, and he, uh, after Hayward was traded and had and signed, uh, DeRozan is one of those players that one of the top players on in the free agent market this summer.
2: Yeah, I, I Josh, I am totally in favor of targeting free agents, and I think that is the right way to go personally, um, or, or certainly makes sense to have that you know, people that are going to be free agents after this season on the short list. Uh, but I would make that trade, not looking to necessarily re-sign those players. Um, so, you know, it might be a rental. It might not be, uh, but someone like DeRozan, I, I think it's unlikely that that's going to be a good value proposition beyond this year. Um, for, for some of the reasons you outlined about some of the other player extensions that we'd have to look at and, and possibly sacrifice. Um, and to me, we need you know we need to shore up kind of defensive elements on in our wing rotation a bit more than someone another guy that needs the ball in his hand or or you know thrives with the ball in his hand. DeRozan is is really again he's a really good offensive player. He gets to the line, which is something our team could really really use. Um, so I wouldn't hate it if we came up with like a right a right balance deal uh, to bring him in. But I don't see him as the as much the missing piece as I think you do. DeRozan
1: yeah, didn't even de, make my top five. DeRozan didn't make your top my,
2: five. Mine neither. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, I
0: know.
1: That's I mean, how
0: crazy it is, Josh.
1: <laughs> there's, there's the, This move of using the TPE before the offseason, to me, means that you have to get someone who's really going to move the needle. And I guess when I say move the needle, like the biggest issue that I see us having is the ability to shoot the ball from the forward position so that Tatum can play three next to a, a bigger four. Who can shoot? <clears throat> um, and if if he doesn't, if we can't get someone who can help us against zone defenses, you, either with their IQ and facilitation or scoring or both, like you know, like like a guy like DeRozan can do, um, then I would wait until the offseason uh, to to use the TP and see what's available there, you know, around the draft time.
2: Yeah, but, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand that that kind of. Dichotomy, you your offering. um I think I think that there's a whole class of player that falls in between someone that's been an all-star, uh, former all-star level, um, and what we currently have as kind of our our bench depth. <laughs> like there's a big wide range of NBA talent, NBA caliber player in between, like you know, Shemi o'gile and Demar DeRozan, and I think getting anything in that space to shore up our wing rotation uh, would totally be worth using at least a piece of our um, TPE on. So with that, let's continue the conversation. Um, Josh, do you want to give us your number two?
0: No, I want to hear yours.
2: All right, Adam, why don't you go number one? Number one,
0: Harrison Barnes. Turns 29 in May. He is signed for two more years after this season at 20 million and then 18 million. So a de-escalating co- uh, contract. Um, I, I target. I'm targeting players that are signed beyond this year for this TPE. Um, that I think is a really important thing. Um, sure, we could sign a free agent and then try and sign and trade him like Danny likes to do in the offseason. Uh, do the Gordon Hayward thing again. Give up two second round picks and get another TPE. And but like. Let's get somebody who's actually good that will fit on this team. Harrison Barnes is exactly uh, what I think this team needs. He can defend. He's going to fit in personality-wise. I think he's he's already played the third, fourth scorer role on a championship team. He's won a championship. That's important for this team. Um, and uh he can shoot it he's going to stretch so, the floor i think he guards a couple of different positions this team likes to be switchable that's that's my number 1 choice uh, so sacramento i will say sacramento i think they're two games under 500 they're ninth no
2: in- they're they're out. 12 they're 12 and 11 they have the same record as the eighth place golden state warriors so they're behind them at least on espn standings they won yeah. four they're are 1-4 in a row seven of their last 10 yeah. Um, including so a win over us, including a win. I think they just beat the Clippers. Um, uh, they're they're playing really really well. And give them, another,
0: give them another two weeks, and and with this point differential, they'll they'll start losing games again. Uh,
2: so, I guess Adam, you know, you were you were talking about how ludicrous, you know, you were expecting other people's list to be uh, because of what you'd have to give up to get some of these players. You're talking about a guy with multiple years at reasonable value based on his production uh, and versatility. Um, we would well, have I, to give I up quite a, a lot here. to get Harrison Barnes.
0: I made a choice here. I I, I I made a choice between having a list that included guys like Al Horford and like uh, <laughs> PJ Tucker and Nemanja Bielica and George Hill, who we would not have to give up. For maybe even get a first round pick if we're taking Horford back, Um, and I made a choice not to have that boring list and to actually go after guys that might make a difference on this team, who also might be available because of the teams they're coming off of, who also are signed beyond this
2: year. So, what would you give up? What would you give up for Harrison Barnes?
0: Yeah, this is the problem with this whole list: is that is that we don't really have assets. Um, I think for Barnes, you have to give up at least a first Grant Williams, Langford, or Neesmith. Like it's, that's just to start. Josh, which, reading?
2: where were you out on of those, at once Adam started listing assets?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, Harrison Barnes conceptually is exactly what we're looking for. And every time I watch him play, he underwhelms. He always kind of disappears. He doesn't rise to the occasion in big moments. He doesn't always have, like, the highest IQ. You know, he's – and you can say all these great things about him. He's super consistent. He already played with our guys in the USA team, and and I feel like the lineups with him, Tatum, Brown, and Kemba were some of the better lineups out there. Um, I just – he just – there's always been something about his game to me that I feel like he's a little bit of a tease, and I want to be really wary of that. You know, you said he's on a good contract. What does he make? Like twenty, twenty million. Twenty. Then yeah, he's, he's twenty-two this year, I think. Twenty yet next, and eighteen the one after. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I guess, it's reasonable and prices. Yeah, it's prices a re- It's up. not,
2: it's not like a great contract, but it's, it's right. not, it's not insane. It's not ludicrous.
1: Yeah. And so this is where I start to evaluate: what's our window? Do we have to win the championship this year or next year? Do we need to spend a lot of money on a guy like Harrison Barnes, or, or do we have like two super young? Super good all stars this year, and we have maybe a six, seven year window to I, to keep these guys and to, and to have our young guys like Langford and Neesmith and all these guys that are just now starting to scratch the surface
2: I think that's, know, a, be- that's a game you have to play carefully because think back to like the 2012 thunder right like they they thought they'd made the right the finals they thought that was like the first of like seven years of, like, dominant run. And, like, in three years, it was over. Like, so... Yeah. so Jalen
0: Brown is signed through 2023-24. You've got this year and the next three for Brown and Tatum that you know they're going to be on this team.
2: That's right, true. you know they're going to be on the team, but you don't know about health. You don't know... Like, there's all sorts of things that can happen. KD injured his foot for a year. Russ injured his knee for a year, right? Like, uh, Harden got traded. All of a sudden, that team window that seemed endless really lasted like one or two more years there Um, were
1: decisions that were made with that team ahead of trading one of their big three that could have helped them financially that they did not make and then therefore had to financially make a decision that we can't pay all three of these guys the max we have to get rid of one you know, part of that was the Kendrick Perkins Jeff Green trade, and then re-signing Perkins, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah,
2: that was that was not a good move by Sam Presti. <laughs> and,
1: and so the, you know, that like, and then they chose the wrong guy to get rid of. They should have gotten rid of Westbrook. You know, here we are, here we are, what like nine, ten years later, and who's teamed up on the Brooklyn Nets? But it's the other two guys. They could have had him. You know, so I, I think that there's other other things to this. But you know, we have an older third guy in Kemba. Who you know maybe Danny Ainge makes a hard decision and doesn't give him a max again after the end of this contract. Oh, he definitely won't I, get a max again. Which I yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't think that's so, a hard decision.
2: I think that's so a, now a you definite. have
1: now you have a, a, a '90s Chicago Bulls style team where you have your two top guys and you're building the best supporting cast you can around them, which means you need to you know it needs to be homegrown. You need to develop these guys, and I think we have a good system for that, and we're starting now to, to scratch the surface. So. I mean, just looking down the list, we've got guys who've played reasonably well and, su- and surprisingly well. Grant Williams is now shooting the ball, as I said earlier. Um, and, and even like Javante Green, even like Carson Edwards, guys who like four weeks ago, we were like, these guys have zero value. These guys are now starting to do something. And, and I'm, I'm actually enjoying watching these guys play for the first time. And we're starting to see year two, year three of some of these guys where Robert Williams is now like, shoot, this guy needs to be playing 25 minutes a game.
2: Well, so this this uh, this discussion was helpful because it actually I think it it shifted my who I have number one and and now who I have number one might might be from that boring list Adam from your perspective but I think it it makes perfect sense and it, it's George Hill, um, and is he going to be as impactful as someone like Demar Derozan or Harrison Barnes might be? No, but he makes. Um, $9.5 million this year, $10 million next year, a totally, and and his next year salary is partially guaranteed for $1.27 million, according to basketballreference.com. So um, a very low-level commitment. The OKC are, is not trying to make the playoffs. In fact, they love to fall as far down into the lottery as they possibly can this season to pair someone like Cade, uh, Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley with um, with Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, who, who seems like a, a true kind of franchise cornerstone type of guy or or a guy you want to build around at minimum um, so George Hill we wouldn't have to give up a ton he feels he could be uh, kind of a versatile ball handler if we need it or just kind of a defensive oriented wing that can that can shoot a bit uh we have we have seen him over and over and over again perform meaningfully in the playoffs. He he comes to play in big games, and that's something we're gonna want. He has a lot of postseason experience, that's something we're gonna want. Um so to me, I think he kind of threads a needle, an important needle, of like, how much do we really want to give up? How long do we really want to commit to this person? We don't mortgage the entire TPE, we'll still have you know, eighteen million dollars of a TPE to use in the offseason if we want to pursue somebody else. Um, so, George Hill is my number one. What
0: are you wow. giving up for George Hill? Carson Edwards a second?
2: That's what I yeah, pretty much. Maybe so a heavily heavily protected first. That conveys into two no. seconds.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's too much. But yeah, that's he was an honorable mention on my list. Totally. Wow. Honest to Patop and Co. you guys are
2: ridiculous right now.
1: Why? A bum, a bomb like George Hill. That's like having another uh, Jeff Teague on the team. I feel like you're, you're taking another you, over the uh, hill. No, he card.
2: is way better than Jeff Teague. Way better. Way, Why, way, cause, way cause better. Because he
1: shoots the three. Why? Throw he Jeff Teague in that
2: trade. He plays like effective system offense and defense, and he yeah. shoots the three. Like he is a really, really, really good decision maker. He was one of when we played the Bucks in the playoffs the last couple of years, he was like one of the three guys I was afraid of when he had the ball, the other being Giannis, I guess, four two years ago or whatever it was. Like, it was him, Brogdon, Giannis, and Middleton were the only guys I was ever concerned about on that team.
1: He's 34 years
0: old, guys. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. He was a great And player, you're not giving up assets for him, Josh. That,
2: that's the whole point. You don't have to give up anything. If you go after Harrison Barnes, you have to – you, you were just talking, Josh, about not wanting to mortgage our future, or like, why? Why do we have to go all in now? This is a move that I think makes us discernibly better this season, but does not, but does not mortgage much, really anything.
1: Right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm more like a fan who's listening right now. In that, why would you use the 28 million TPE? You're
2: not. You're in- using part of it.
1: Right, I know, we, but we have two smaller TPEs that are like one point five million or something. Well, because like, he not? makes
2: nine and a half million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and you so, have you have to use at least that much TPE, and you can't combine TPEs with each other. And plus, no, but the other you can combine worth...
0: TPE with salary. No, no, you cannot. You can't. <laughs> what I said okay. at the beginning, <laughs> you, can, you can add salary, but it doesn't increase the amount of money you can take back. So, so you, it's like any salary so you guys, you add goes into the amount of the TPE, basically. So you guys would rather have, uh, we'd be left with how much? 20 18.
2: We'd have 18 like 18, nine. 18 and a half left in our TPE.
1: And you guys would just rather have that and use that in the off season. That's the strategy with this type of move?
2: Yep. Yeah. That who's number two on your list? The, yeah, who's, who's next on your list? Number two. All
1: right. Um, I mean, I had two other guys kind of in the same situation as Demar Derozan That's next, fine. number two, who are free agents like Victor Oladipo. Um, he's next on my list. He okay. was a guy Victor I wanted Oladipo. to trade Hayward straight up for. Um, and you know, but like I said before, there's no, nobody on the list that I'm really like s- super amped up about getting at this stage. Um.
2: Well, yeah, it's think, TPE targets. That's kind of the point. Yeah. they're all like gray area <laughs> targets. <laughs> all
1: right, so, so honestly, I'd rather talk about one of the different guys on my list. But you want to go one by so, one? Yeah, Oladipo and we'll who's the we'll other? We'll get
2: to that. We, we don't have to spend a lot of time on on. on John Oladipo. Collins
0: is the other. No, no, oh, I think wow. that. Okay, we'll get think, to John.
2: We'll get to John Collins. We're doing.
0: <laughs> so Oladipo was also on my list. He was like the, the one non player that was not signed uh, beyond this year because if Houston he was on
2: my list as well.
0: If Houston tanks, I think that they will try and flip Oladipo for some other assets. He's great. He makes twenty one million this year, um, so we could do it, adding some salary and not and not um, be hard capped. Um, I think he's a two way player. He gives them a little more size at the guard. I'm so sick of like as does George Hill. I'm so sick of these tiny guards. You're not going to be able to play them in the playoffs in the same way that you can here. Um, I, I do, Mike. Do you know if we have his bird rights
2: if we trade for him? I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: He's he's averaging twenty five and five. I mean, he'd be a great addition to the team. Again, the question is, how many assets do we have to give up to get him? If we can do a similar sort of a uh, first and a young player or two uh, and the TPE, great.
2: Yeah, uh, the Rockets are five hundred right now. They've actually played pretty well. They've been a really staunch defensive team, in particular with, um, since the Harden trade. Uh, Christian Wood just got hurt, uh, sprained ankle, which which definitely affects them, but hard to imagine that they're really sellers, which means like if this were to happen, you'd probably have to sweeten the pot more than you'd think. Um, so Oladipo was at the bottom of my list, but um, still attractive, obviously still super talented, and he's shown that he's pretty healthy, uh, which was the big concern when we were talking about you know whether or not he would be a good candidate to try to trade for when moving off of Hayward salaries, at least for me.
0: I've got Aaron Gordon number two on my list. He's signed for eighteen million next year uh, he uh, He's another one of those guys that can play the four, move Tatum down. You can switch with him, assuming that he actually decides to play his role on a good team since he's on a good team. I think that's more likely than it is on Orlando. Um, Orlando is not not playing well so um, they may finally be interested in trading some of their um, the players that are not a part of their future Uh, I'd love to see him on this team I think that you could play some nice small ball with him uh, depending on the matchup and um, yeah that's that's a guy I would target again it totally depends on what you have to give up
1: so that's I knew we were going to have to have this Aaron Gordon conversation and I'll get you back (laughs) I uh, will get you back with another name, but um, this is a guy who is underwhelmed every single year of his career. Um, he's he's the number one tease in the NBA. People look at him like he's a god because he could because he could jump out of the gym and, and the things that he can do athletically. And and you look at him and you you watch him play and you're like, this guy can switch, but he doesn't well and. He's averaging under 14 points per game on a team that is just desperate for somebody to to, to lead the way and put the team on his shoulders, and he's been the, their savior. And it's like that team's going to fall apart because of because they drafted a guy like him. I don't necessarily want him just because on paper he looks good next to Tatum.
0: I'm talking about bringing him off the bench as a sixth man. <laughs> like we're not expecting him to save the this this team, Josh
2: yeah i'm i i I was really high on Gordon when did, was that at the off season or like during the summer hiatus or whatever it was. um i'm I'm much more tepid on him now. He's an honorable mention for me. Um, you know, i think I think his offensive game is leaves so much to be desired. i still he's still appealing from the vantage of like he's a guy that you can put on the best wings defensively in the game and he can, he can kind of defend them one-on-one. Um, and you, you kind of can't have too many guys. He's just like a super souped up version of Shemi Ojale.
1: But what are you paying him? You're not paying him like a six man, right?
2: Well, he's paying what well, he like 18 million, then 16 million or something, right? It's a, it's a descending salary. Um, it's, it's more than I want. Like, yeah, it, it, again he's not he's not my first choice um uh but but I'm not I don't hate it I don't hate it um that takes me I think to number 2 on my list which I th- is going to be and and this this I I hesitate mostly cuz he just got injured um for four to six weeks uh which is like just long enough where he could theoretically be healthy so i'm i'm assuming that he's gonna this is predicated on him being healthy by the time the trade deadline rolls around but it's larry nance jr hey um who i just think has an exceptionally high character guy has gotten better every year consummate professional is playing was has has been playing like lights out defense this season um, can give you a little re- rebounding can give you a little bit of offensive offense, uh, offense uh, though. He's not a major offensive player, but you know, just is a, a way, way better option than certainly our deep bench guys. And, and would I think be a really meaningful, positive addition to our rotation uh, and can definitely play playoff minutes in, in kind of the deep playoff rounds. Um, he has, I believe it's uh, three years left on his deal. And uh, like, around 12 or 13 million dollars a year um you know we'd probably have to give up some definitely more assets than we would for someone like george hill uh so that's that's not ideal from that perspective uh but we'd still also save like 15 million dollars in our our tpe um and be able to kind of pursue something else in the off season if we wanted to so uh what do you guys think of him
1: Larry Nance is, is a super stand-up guy. I coached against him. He actually tore his ACL towards the end of his sophomore year in a game against us when I was with Fresno State. And, you know, he could have come out after his freshman year, but he stayed for his sophomore year. And then towards the end, you have that kind of an injury. I thought it was really going to impact his draft stock. But he got through it and made the league. And, you know, I went up to him after that game. He was devastated. He And, and I had to tell him how how much of a battle it was playing him every night. And he just seemed like such a good dude, you know, and I wanted to be that coach from the other team to come up and give that kind of respect uh, because I really felt for him and he's, he's been flourishing in Cleveland. They love him there. He's playing a lot of the three right now, shooting the three a lot. And um, he's really been expanding his game, but you know, he he's often injured. Um, he would definitely fit the culture of our team. I just don't know
0: if Cleveland wants to, to move him.
2: Adam, any thoughts? Yeah,
0: yeah five, <laughs> sure. Don't, don't think you have to give up much to get him. Uh,
2: yeah. All right. All right. Number three, you already mentioned the name, but mention it again, Josh. John
1: Collins, not the adult beverage, but the 23-year-old player. That's
2: a Tom Collins. <laughs>
1: Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he makes 4 million. He's the 232nd highest paid player in the league right now as a 2010 guy uh, who's shooting over 40% for from three for the second year in a row at only 23 years old. He, to me, he's the ideal four man next to Tatum and Brown. If he can ever figure out things on the defensive end, which I think in the right system and the demands that we have in ours, he would. Um, and for whatever reason, people think he's going to be traded out of Atlanta and, and he's gotten into it a little bit with the way Trey Young moves the ball or doesn't move the ball and his role on that team. Um, but he's a guy who could grow with these, these young players that we have for years to come. It's just he's probably a guy who thinks he's a max guy. And he's a free agent at the end of these, this year. And so you're going to have to really pay this guy.
0: He's a restricted free agent. Absolutely, you have to pay him. Yeah. And you're going be- to have to give up assets to get him, too. Yeah, yeah so... I, that,
2: that's a worry for me. I just, I think the cost is going to be too high both in, in, as far as acquiring him in the first place and then retaining him after the fact. Um, I think if you're planning to give up a lot of assets to get someone wh- in using the TPE, then you should be planning to keep them. So, you know, if we get John Collins and, you know, pair him with Tatum and Brown, and then we're basically all in on that triumvirate. Um, and realistically would, you know, Ains would probably be looking to move Kemba and Smart, uh, pretty soon thereafter to keep our, our luxury tax bill from going astronomical within the next year or two. So, um, yeah, I mean that, that would be a big, big, uh, decision. It's possible we'd even consider like moving Smart to get Collins.
0: Yeah. He didn't even make my list for that reason. Uh, Likewise. If, if they did that deal, I'd I would my eyebrows would go up and I'd be like pleasantly surprised because um, I like him as a player and I think that he he's a he's a really nice small ball five, um, but yeah it's it's contractually it's going to be a challenge.
2: Who's next in your list, Adam?
0: Um, I don't love this choice, but I went with that. Orlando stinks. They might try and trade their their. Um, Good, older players at lower cost, um and I chose Nikola Vucevic. who turns thirty one in October He's signed for the next two years at twenty four and twenty two million He's really good um the question again how many assets are you gonna have to give up to get him? Uh, he's the most expensive guy on my list as well. You're definitely trading uh Tristan Thompson to get him um, that
2: was my question it was which bigger yeah. are you giving up to get him so Tristan okay,
0: yeah, I mean you're you it depends on the assets. You probably, you might have to give up. I mean, I don't know if they want uh, Robert Williams, but you might have to give him up too. You're, you're giving up real assets to get him. We could so give up probably the we most. We could expensive. give up Tristan
2: and uh, Robert Williams so we can get Mobamba back.
0: <laughs> yeah, was I wrong on <laughs> Mobamba? So Vucevic is the most expensive guy on my list in terms of who we would have to trade away to get him. But I, I think he. I mean, he's he's shooting like forty plus percent from three uh, on a much higher rate this year. I think that'll continue to improve. I, I like he's he's not horrible on defense. Uh, not good either. <laughs> but I think he adds a dimension. You're basically deciding to go to just have so much offense. Um, and part of what I'm thinking about here is who who's your your five at the end of the the game. And with a lot of the other players I was looking at, I then started wondering is Smart starting or is he going back to the bench and we're bringing like Harrison Barnes or Aaron Gordon off the bench? Who's your final 5? With those players depending on the matchup, you still may need to have Tyson in the game at the 5. In this case, Vucevic plays with Brown, Tatum, Smart and Kemba.
1: It's not a bad that's not a bad pick in my opinion. I think that when you have a guy like that who's known for his offense and he's really good at that, that side of the ball and he's not known for his defense, if you surround him by, with players in a culture that's defense first, I think that that's a guy who could surprise you from being you know just a good player on a bad team to being someone who contributes in different ways once he gets into a winning culture. Um, I like that pick. I'm proud of you for pronouncing his name right too, Adam.
0: Well, he, he's a pick right up your alley, Josh. Too, we're giving up too much to get him. The difference is that he signed for two more years after this one.
1: So can we assume that the worse the player is that's coming in from this TPE, the more likely it is to happen?
2: <laughs> yeah. Probably, uh, which big which big might big be sport. a good segue to my my next one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I expect you guys not to like either this one or or my fourth <laughs> on my list. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm powering forward. Uh, so number three um, is gonna be Otto Porter for me. Uh, Auto Auto Porter makes literally just <laughs> under our TPE. He makes twenty eight point five or four nine million dollars in the last year of his deal, so he's a free agent after this season. He's wildly overpaid currently, um, but that doesn't change the fact that he's a career forty percent three point. Shooter, he's shooting 30, 40% right now. He's six eight. He's a solid, if not spectacular, and versatile defensive player. He's been effective as like a tertiary or, or fourth, you know, fourth option, um, if if that. Like he, you know, he's kind of like a. I mean, this is, this is a real insult, but like kind of a poor man's Harrison Barnes. Um, uh, but you know, he's, just, he's a solid, but not spectacular player. Uh, I don't think we'd have to give up a lot to get him. Um, we, we'd have to, we'd have to move salary, which would be a bit challenging, uh, to, to make it fit. And we'd have to move a fair bit of salary, um, you know, as much as uh, Tristan Thompson's, basically not necessarily Tristan Thompson, but about 10 million uh, to get. Um, actually, a little more, 12, 12 million or so to get to avoid the luxury tax. So, that that is kind of the big uh, and potentially prohibitive consideration with this deal. But um, as far as his fit, I think he'd be a really strong fit.
0: Uh, Autoport is exactly who you trade a TPE for. Oh my. Yeah, that, this is so what, this is what this is used for. It's for players who who the other team does not want.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Listen, last year Otto Porter played 14 games. The year before Otto Porter played 15 games. The <laughs> year before that Otto Porter played 41 games. Yeah, and the year he, before that Otto Porter <laughs> basically, I think he's the only player in the NBA that's actually made of glass.
2: He has played more games this season than he played either of the last two seasons, so he's <laughs> trending up already. We can definitively <laughs> say he's trending up. Look, he's yeah, not... He's, he, also, he's, he's gained not, a lot of
0: weight, so he's less brittle now, too. That's
2: right. He's I'm, Look, I told you, first of all, that you would not like the pick. <laughs> Second of all, Adam's right that you don't get good players with TPEs. That's not how this works. Like You get middling players that hopefully are function, functionally useful. He, and uh, it is worth noting that uh, basketballreference.com's uh, page for Otto Porter notes that he has a player injury out back. He's out for Monday's February 8th game against Washington.
0: <laughs> so, He's a rotation he, he, player on this team, though. He, he gets minutes on this team. <laughs> I'd rather have Nicholas Batum. I take it.
2: I take that guy. <laughs> hey, based on how he's playing, that's not uh, unreasonable. Um, all right, uh, number four, Josh. Let, let's let's uh, let's see if we can wrap up our last two rounds here in the next.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm skipping number four. He's, so. he's, he's number no, you four. Gotta is say, you gotta say it out loud. Oh, it's Harrison f- Barnes. Okay. Uh, number four is Harrison Barnes. I'm skipping him. I'm going straight to the get you back name. Uh, you made me talk about Aaron Gordon. Now I'm making you guys talk about the one and only Draymond
2: Green. Oh, that's not so bad. I was afraid you were going to say Terry Rozier.
0: What are you giving up? Trading smart for Draymond? What are you giving (laughs) up for Draymond?
1: That would be the deal, right? You're trading smart in the TPE. I just want all
2: our listeners to know that Josh Motenko endorses trading Marcus Smart for Draymond Green.
1: No, I don't like this. Just take that.
2: just, Just. Let that sink in, listeners, when you're thinking about yeah. who to side with in future arguments between yeah, me and Josh. Josh, twi- Josh is one gosh. out here trading Marcus Smart.
1: I'm not interested <laughs> in making any of these <laughs> trades except the first one on my list. I'm not excited about any of them, but this needs to be talked about. Would you trade the the, cult, the culture setter on our team for the culture setter who's won championships for another, who's older?
2: If that's the only way to get Draymond, I don't think I would do it. Um uh, I'm interested in Draymond. I just, I have a really hard time envisioning Golden State actually moving on from him, even though he he does make a lot of money and they're not and they're paying an egregious luxury tax, even accounting for kind of the adjustments the league made uh, for this season. Um, I just don't I just don't see that move happening. I don't know. How much how much is he making this season, Josh? Oh, I don't know. He's he's up there. Let me. I've got it right here. Uh, he, yeah, he's making 22,
0: 22 then twenty four, then twenty five,
2: then a player option of twenty seven point five. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I want us to have that salary on our books. So no, I'm out on multiple Adam? levels.
0: Um, I'm also out. I, I really like Draymond Green, and this does make me think. I think you got to call a meeting for the, with the team to talk about this. Uh, because he also plays a position that I think is helpful for this team. Um I would yeah, I, I would think long and hard about this, but it's it's hard to say yes. Yeah, I'm also out because I don't contract. think he has another three good
1: years in him. Uh Bill Simmons did a good job recently on one of his podcasts detailing his decline, shooting numbers, etc. Yeah. Uh he's just offensively so limited at this point that you well, don't have to shooting,
2: drive. shooting wise. Like as as far as playmaking, it's still yeah. elite, elite, elite. Seven His deci- the speed that he makes decisions at is uh, maybe Jokic is at or near that level, but there's very, very few people on the planet that can process the game at the speed that he processes that, and it's really fun to watch. Um, but he would
0: he would lead our team in assists, but he's only shooting 190 from three. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, and one of the main reasons I bring it up is. I'm going to say again, we need a guy who can help us against zone offenses, uh, zone defenses. And right now we don't have someone who's going to take over from an IQ perspective and point and move people to where they need to be and give everybody confidence. We face a zone and we're like freaking out a little bit. Brad doesn't call a timeout. He lets us play through it. We struggle a lot of the time. And then finally, after two timeouts, we get things right. And, you know, that didn't work last year in the playoffs and, it's not going to work again without Gordon Hayward, who was helpful in that scenario. So,
2: yeah, I mean, you're definitely right on Draymond's effectiveness and and usefulness in breaking zones. That said, I do, I do think there are kind of incremental, but detectable kind of growth steps that this team has made in, in breaking uh, and and playing against zone, you know, in no small part because of how much they struggled with it last season. I think, I think, I think we see a lot quicker reaction and uh, a readier application of some of the types of things that need to be done, whether it's, it's getting the ball in the middle of the paint or, you know, the timing of cuts along the baseline when the, the kind of, you know, guy on the the baseline wing is uh, shifting, um, to cover someone towards the top of the, the perimeter, whatever the case may be. I, I think we're, we're already kind of detectably better against the zone than we were around this time last year. So, yes, it would help us, but I don't see it as, as urgent a need as it was going into last season's playoffs to me. Uh, Adam, who's next on your list? All right, hear me out. <laughs> Number five on
0: my list. Oh boy, <laughs> is, is a guy who who some have said needs to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. His name is Miles Turner. He's 24 years old. Makes 18 million this year, next year, and the year after. Miles Turner is averaging 3.6 blocks per game this year and 1.2 steals per game. That's 4.8 steals and blocks per game since 1973. Can you guys tell me who the center? The greatest block and steel center since the stat started in 1973?
2: 1973.
0: 1973, Walton? No. Josh. Is it who's, who's the greatest Jarrar? center since 1973 at steels and blocks? Uh, oh, Akeem. Akeem Elijah. Akeem Akeem. Yeah. How many for his career does, does Akeem Elijah have?
2: For his career? For career average? Uh, a, a combined of the two, I'd say like yep. 3.2.
0: 4.8 no, 4. Wow. the same number
1: as miles turner so you're saying miles turners like hakeem elijah won
0: if we trade <laughs> tristan thompson and the tpe for miles turner and then we get to sign some wing uh uh mid-level exception i think this deal could work
1: god you know that here's the thing with with block shots these days and centers who know how to were really good at that skill. It doesn't mean that they can move their feet laterally. It doesn't mean that they can make decisions and be able to guard the pick and roll, which is I think more important nowadays than being able to block shots. I think the Celtics kind of feel the same way. That's why they've got six nine centers. Um, we already made the decision to turn down Miles Turner in the offseason when we were trying to trade Gordon Hayward, it felt like. And uh, I'm I'm out on Miles Turner. I think He's surprising everybody again. He's another. He's probably number two behind uh, Aaron Gordon on, on the T's list. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can,
0: st- you can stop talking. I'm just trying you and Danny Ainge with that. We don't have to talk about him.
2: I got, I got, I got one, one more to toss at you guys uh, that I, I, want, I want to get your uh, appropriate groan reaction on here. <laughs> uh, so we've, we've, we've listed two Orlando Magic players. Time to list the third. The one, the only Evan Fournier. Hey,
0: number that's four, my guy.
2: Number four on my list. Another good TPE guy. That's yeah, you... I, you know, he's got, he makes $17 million. He's a free agent after this year, 17 and a half free agent after this year. Uh, so it's actually kind of a perfect salary target. You know, we give up, let's say, Carson Edwards and uh, Javante Green or something. to So we avoid the luxury tax and a second.
1: It'll take more.
2: Um. Well, then we probably say no. I mean, the the magic aren't. So it should take less because he's a free agent. Um, So you know he is he's he's a player.
1: He's the best player on the team.
2: Yeah, but they're a crap team that's going nowhere yet again. So you don't give up more for him anyway. um, And he's not the best player. Vucevic is. You know he's a solid offensive player. Uh, He's not a very good defensive player. Um, He's just. You know, we I, I said early in this conversation that you know there's a range of players in between the Demar Derozan's and the Shemiojales and Evan Fournier falls in the middle of that spectrum, right? He's just a, a decidedly solid guy. If if he would be willing to kind of accept kind of a sixth, sixth-ish, seventh-ish man role and kind of be a a secondary initiator on the second unit, like that's about as good as it's going to get. He might have some uh, stretches where he's a lead offensive option, but probably very few if Kemba and Tatum and Brown are all healthy. Um, he could be useful. I I think we'd benefit more from someone a bit more defensively oriented, but, um, you know, I think he's got the right ingredients as far as being a TPE target generally. So he made my list.
1: Yeah, I like him. He's, In my opinion, he's the best player since Jonathan Isaac is out with an injury. Um, he's the one who put that team on his back last year in the playoffs and got them into the playoffs when they had no business being there. Um, he's European and grew up around zone defenses, and he would help us in that area. In my opinion, I think that he's a decent get.
0: Would he, you would give up more for him, Josh?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think Orlando's going to want more than just Carson Edwards and Javante Green. I think you're going to have to give up one of your higher draft picks or, you know, like a Romeo or a Neesmith.
2: Oh, Uh, they uh, can have Neesmith and Edwards. That's good. If they take Neesmith, then I win that bet. So I'm good with that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I win it right away.
0: (laughs) I was just baiting you into into saying something that I would disagree with, Josh.
1: Well, let me give you my next guy on my list and maybe that'll be your opportunity. Um, I think we should give Will Barton a look with Denver. I think that he's always been a tough guy. He shoots league average from three. He's got some size at six five. He's always been a guy who plays well in big games, and, and he's one of those guys who's a complete average NBA player, but he thinks that he's as good as the Stars when he's defending them, and, and he really takes it personally. And I think that with, you know, that's a good attitude to add to this team, and he'd give us some wing depth.
0: Why are they trading him?
1: Um, like a lot of these guys, we don't know. We're not sure why they're going to. There's a lot of guys on this list. Like, why would Atlanta trade John Collins? Because he's about to be a free, a free agent? They don't you know sign him.
0: They're not going to resign so, him to the max contract. That's, why they, that's the only reason they would do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, I feel like that's the debate, is why would the other team get rid of him? And that's why we had 35 players on our <laughs> potential <laughs> options. Um, and he's a guy who's always been underrated to me.
2: All right. All right. Um Adam, do you have any honorable mention that you want to you want to toss out there that uh did we do we say your five?
0: Yeah, we said my five. Let me let me throw out Nemanja Jabielica uh because he's not getting any run right now. I can totally see why they would trade him. They don't want him really on the team if he's not getting any run. Why would they not trade him? I don't think we'd have to give much for him. Uh and I think he would actually pay, play minutes on this team. And he's the kind of guy that D's likes. These like big white three-point shooters.
2: Okay. So um, I, I didn't have any honorable mentions uh, beyond the ones that we already talked about. Aaron Gordon and Draymond Green were kind of on the periphery of my list. Um, Harrison Barnes was my number five. Uh, so let's, let's do a quick final tally here. Uh, so my, my full list was George Hill, Larry Nance, Otto Porter, Evan Fournier, Harrison Barnes were my five.
0: I've got Harrison Barnes, number one. I've got number two is uh, Aaron Gordon. Number three is Nikola Vucevic. Number four is Victor Oladipo. And number five is Miles Turner. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad he's getting a point.
1: Number one, DeRozan. Two, Oladipo. Three, Collins. Four, Barnes. Five, Draymond. So Mike's going to tally up the points here. As that happens, we can transition into a new segment here on Celtics Pride Podcast, where at the end we like to give a positive thought of the day, and I'll lead. Um, I feel like my positive thought of the day is I'm glad that the NBA is taking their time with coming out with the second half of the schedule. I think that it's uh, refreshing to be watching and a fan of a league that's not saying, we're going to do this, we're going to have an end goal, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get to that end goal they're you know, working with the process and understanding that things take time and they got to reevaluate things really weekly with all these games that they're going to have to replay uh, or figure out what to do with that have been postponed or canceled. And um, uh, that's my positive thought of the day is, is we're taking everything in stride and it's, I'm looking at Valentine's Day coming up here soon and we still don't have a second half of the schedule. And I kind of like that.
0: I'm going to speak today. My positive thought is about hope. Uh, hope is a powerful emotion, and the fact that uh, we as Celtics fans have this twenty-eight point five million dollar TPE, it really brings us hope that we could get a really good oh player and be an amazing team, and uh, and that that's that's meaningful. So until we actually see what how this TPE is used and get brought back down to reality, we're gonna ride with that hope, and that's gonna it's gonna make a difference in our lives because we don't have enough hope these days. And
1: just to be clear. You know, we still can wait till the off season with this TPE. Lots can change. Teams that we don't foresee collapsing will collapse this year, and in the off season, we will have 28 million plus draft picks to make something to happen with.
0: Yeah, the longer we postpone a decision on this, the more time we have to for feel hope. that hope
2: for hope. Well, my my positive thought of the day is going to be uh, not basketball related. It's just going to be an appreciation of the incremental increase in the length of sunlight that we have as the winter kind of reaches the halfway point and we we uh or get to pass the halfway point and we inch towards spring you know i'm i'm here in the on the east coast in the northeast uh the, these winters are long and hard and uh nice to get uh nice to get a little bit more daylight in our days
0: I really expected this this hope thing. I'm surprised it's the first time we've done it. I really expected that it all to be basketball related, but um,
2: great. <laughs> um for uh and and to quickly announce uh, to our our aggregate big board uh, top leaders. Uh, of the TPE target list. Harrison Barnes takes the number one spot with with eight total points. Victor Oladipo at number two with six total points. DeMar DeRozan and George Hill share number three at five total points. And Aaron Gordon and Larry Nance Jr. uh, share number four with four points. And then... Um, that's all. Yeah, that's that's enough.
0: <laughs> that is a shockingly reasonable list. That
2: that is a shockingly reasonable list. Um, would would love to hear uh, if if uh, you all <laughs> if you stayed with us this long, if you all agree or disagree with that list, if there's anyone we should have we should have mentioned.
0: I'm proud of us. I'm proud of all of our listeners for staying with us. Yeah,
1: let us know who your favorite TPE target is. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, that whole spiel. What do we have to say about that, guys?
2: That's it. <laughs> rate, review, subscribe. Hit us up at, at Celtics Pride Pod on Twitter. Um, and uh, thanks for listening.